Hello and welcome to the Intentional Teacher Podcast, episode number four. Today, we are talking all about parent communication. If you have ever felt nervous uh, or stressed about contacting parents, this could be a great episode for you to listen to because one thing that I've noticed in the last couple of years mentoring teachers is that parent communication, I used to think it was kind of this and um, just one facet of you know of teaching that we have that we have to communicate with parents i didn't think that it was necessarily making an impact on other parts of our teaching but i have really seen working with dozens of teachers that that is actually not the case that if you have stress or fear or worry about um contacting parents it's actually likely affecting your teaching your work life balance um, and your day-to-day life as a teacher a lot more than you realize. So I want to kind of uncover that for you today, show you how it might be affecting you and what you can do about it so that you can contact parents with confidence and really um, avoid those pitfalls or those challenges that might be popping up for you in your teaching in other ways that you are not yet aware of. So if you're ready, let's jump in. Okay, so welcome to episode four. We are talking about parent communication and how a stress or a fear around contacting parents may be affecting you in more ways than you realize as a teacher. But before we jump into that, I wanted to let you know that you may have heard I run a program called Intentional Teaching, which helps teachers streamline their planning, their routines, their assessment, and really help them kind of create this um, more work-life balance in their lives so that they can feel prepared and ready for school, but it doesn't need to take up all of your time either. It can really be something that you feel confident in, that you feel fulfilled in at school, but you can still have time for yourself on the evenings and weekends as well. So I want to show you how to do that. If you are thinking about joining us, our next round at the time of this recording is actually starting very, very soon. We are starting on November 7th and the doors are closing November 6th. So if you have been thinking about joining intentional teaching or the idea kind of sounds intriguing to you, I highly recommend um, that you reach out to me and we can see if it could be a good fit for you. So you can send me a DM on Instagram at I am Lauren Monique, or you can also, I'll link this up in the show notes. You can book a short 15 minute call with me just to see if it would be a good fit for you. And if we can support you with your goals as a teacher to feel um, more fulfilled and to have more time for yourself as well. So do do that. And we're going to get into today's content all about parent communication. So I remember one one, I mean, there have been lots, but one particular story that kind of jumps out at me, and maybe you've experienced something like this, is I had to have a meeting with a parent um, because she was not happy with me. <laughs> but the reason actually really surprised me. I had I had no idea that this could this could be an issue for anyone, honestly. So at um at this point, this was a, a number of years ago now. I was I've always loved doing mindfulness with my students. So in mindfulness after lunch generally is when I do it. Sometimes I do it at the beginning of class. I've done it with little kids, I've done it with grade fours, I've done it with grade elevens, and I just modify it to make it work for the kids. But 
I know, first off, when they come in from lunch, they're often, their energy is really, really high. It will calm them down. But I also know of like all the scientific benefits of like when you take a few moments to yourself to calm down and kind of recenter yourself before you go into the classroom. So it's great for me. It's great for the students. I love doing it. I never thought that anyone would disagree with me, but I guess there was one part of what I was doing that a parent did not like. And what it was is that I said to my kids, my students, that you can either sit up and close your eyes. But a lot of people, especially a lot of kids feel uncomfortable doing that. And like the the more traditional, like if you think of like a yoga class, like closing your eyes and sitting up straight, like a lot of, or like meditation, a lot of people are going to feel like a lot of kids are going to feel uncomfortable about that or self-conscious. So I say, just close your eyes, pose la, um, pose la tête sur la table, <laughs> like put your head on the table and just kind of relax for a little bit. But you need to have your eyes closed so that you are not, um, so that other people don't feel you looking at them because that will ruin it for the class. We won't have that sense of safety that we can close our eyes and really have this moment to ourselves if you're looking at someone because we all know that feeling of someone looking at us even if you can't see them. Like we have we feel that energy. So I told my students that you have to close your eyes. Apparently not everyone feels comfortable with this. I had no idea at the time. And now looking back, I can kind of see it, especially if you're neurodivergent. I didn't think about it at the time, to be honest. I don't know if this kid was, but he really did not like closing his eyes. And his mom was like vehemently opposed to him closing his eyes during mindfulness. Um, And so she was really angry with me. Again, it really surprised me, but whatever. And so I had another teacher, it was actually the school counselor who came and sat in on that meeting. And we did come to a a very easy solution. Basically, he would look down at the floor. Anyone who didn't want to close their eyes could put their head down and look down at the floor. So they're still not staring at other kids. So everyone still felt safe that he didn't have to close his eyes. But at the time, it was stressful for me because she was really angry with me. Um, So I know that feeling of having a parent upset with you and trying to find a solution that's going to work well for both parties. But the thing that I've found is that sometimes um, situations like this can really, really affect teachers. And I think we just kind of think, oh, you know, you just got to get over it. It's part of the job or um, it's normal for us to have difficult parents or you know, like, we'll support you, whatever. But I don't think there's enough discussion about how it can truly affect teachers and the fear and stress that conflicts with parents can have on us. And the thing that I have noticed is that a lot of times we have this fear or this stress that if I contact a parent, a parent is going to be upset with me. Or a parent is going to question my professional judgment or it's going to cause some sort of conflict. And so a lot of teachers want to avoid it. And if he, that's you, like, it's okay. Everybody's, everybody's done that. That's fine. Don't, don't judge yourself. We're going to talk through about, talk through today about how you can, um, how you can work through that. But here's the thing before we even get to what's at the root of that is if you are afraid or nervous about contacting a parent, 
like I said in the intro, I used to think that that was an isolated part of teaching, that it was just like the communication with parents. Maybe it would affect classroom management, but I didn't see how overarching it could affect a number of different areas in your teaching until I started working with other teachers. And I've noticed if you are afraid, and I would love for you to even think about this as you listen to um, this podcast, is to think about is this affecting you in other areas? And I'm going to give you some some examples. So the first most obvious one is classroom management. If you don't feel like you can call home and connect and tell a parent that their child is causing, like, is not having appropriate behavior in the classroom, that the kids are going to feel that, that you're not going to call home. And so your classroom management challenges can get more extreme because they think, oh, she's not going to, or he or they is not going to do anything anyway. So classroom management can be hugely, hugely affected if you are not willing to communicate with parents. So that's the first thing. Another thing, of course, is student learning. If we can't communicate with parents about our our kids not doing their homework or they're struggling or like we want to come together as a team and that can affect kids learning. But the thing that I've also noticed is it can affect your grading, your report cards, your planning because you're second guessing yourself. Like you might worry that you can't contact a parent because you haven't finished your grading and therefore you can't connect with them. And it's having this ripple effect because you're worried that they're going to think, oh, why haven't you finished your marking yet? Or you might worry like, if I upload my grades, what if a parent comes back to me like, why is my kid failing? Why is this? Why is that? Or like if they get a test back and a kid's failed, you might have a fear that a parent's going to be upset with you over a mark, over a grade. And so it stops you like a part of you, basically, like without you realizing there's a part of you that's afraid. And so it stops you from getting your marking done, stops you from getting your grading done. It might stop you from creating a report card system that's going to ease up your report card flow because you're afraid of what a parent might say to you. It's that we're second guessing ourselves and it, and it, you, it even could affect your planning because you're afraid of like, maybe you feel like some imposter syndrome. And if you do the wrong thing or you create the wrong lesson, maybe you're not doing a good enough job. And what if a parent says something? So there's lots of different ways, like sneaky ways, other than just interacting with students that parent communication might be affecting you. And it's usually comes from a previous experience that we've had. Sometimes, honestly, it's not even from a parent. It's from a previous experience you've had in another job or as you like in your own schooling experience or someone else got mad at you and it's kind of like carried over into what you're doing now. Or like you've directly had a parent who's gotten in your face or who has, you know, questioned your capabilities if you're a French teacher or has questioned your your professional judgment or has been really angry with you. And then you can take that experience. And if you don't find a way to resolve it and, and learn from it or, or be okay with it, it can affect your communication and interaction with parents going forward. So what I would like to uncover here is that what is the belief underneath this fear that a parent might get upset with me? Like what's causing this fear underneath? What's the thought? And there are likely two. The first is we're afraid of people judging us. And that's very normal. But 
I would say that it's not that you're afraid of people judging you, parents judging you. You're afraid that their judgment is right. You're not afraid of them judging you. You're afraid that their judgment is right. Because if I said to you, like, okay, for example, I'm 5'3", okay, maybe 5'4". I'd like to say I'm I'm almost 5'4", okay? If someone said, oh my gosh, Lauren, you're so tall and started laughing at me, like, I'm not going to take that as an insult because I'm not tall. Like, I'm just not. Like, I'm not worried that if people think I'm too tall, it's like, it's just not a thing. (laughs) I am not going to take that on because I don't think I'm too tall. I'm not too, like, there's in no way am I too tall. I'm I'm not tall. So it's not going to bother me. But if someone tells me something that I'm already worried about, that's when I'm going to worry about that judgment because I worry that that judgment is true. So if you're listening and you're a French teacher and you're worried that your French isn't good enough, because a lot of us worry about that, or if you're a French teacher and you're worried your English isn't good enough, that can happen too. But let's take the French teacher example. If you're worried your French isn't good enough, and then a parent comes back to you saying that your French isn't good enough because they're a francophone or whatever it is, and they're judging the way like your grammar or your accent or whatever it is. That you could take personally because it's already a fear that you have inherently. Does that make sense? So we, we're we not afraid of judgment. We're afraid that the judgment is true. So that's the first thing. Or you might have a fear um, for your job or your reputation, which we will get into as well. So let's look into the fear that their judgment is right that I'm not a good enough teacher, that I'm not doing a good enough job, that I should be more organized. Usually it comes from this feeling like I'm not good enough. Okay. So what I would like for you to consider, if this is ringing true for you, is to think that your, okay, we're going to go deep on this. Your reality reflects your beliefs, not the other way around. So your mind is constantly looking for proof around you that supports what you already think. So if you think, for example, um, let's do a, give a student example. I love working with high school kids and middle schoolers, but not everybody does. Sometimes people think they're rude, for example. If you think that 14-year-olds are rude, you're going to find lots of proof that 14-year-olds are rude. Does that make sense? But if I think they're fun and like I enjoy working for the, with them, I'm going to find proof that what I think is already true. So you that is important to know that if you're already worried that you're not a good enough teacher, you're doing something wrong, when you hear a parent complain to you, you can notice that that's finding proof that what, what you're doing is wrong. Does that make sense? So what we want to notice is if we have an int- like um, something that happens with a parent, it's not that the parent is judging you. It's that you are interpreting their comment as a judgment. So they may honestly think that they may not, but it's about you kind of um, realizing that it's not an absolute truth. It's just an interpretation because When you think about, like, say you had to work with a lawyer. Now, I'm not saying that we can't question a lawyer and, and, you know, make sure that they're doing their work. But are you going to think that you know more than a lawyer and judge the lawyer? Likely not. 
you do know more than a parent if they're not in education because this is your profession. You do actually know what you're doing and you know more than a parent, but a parent still may question you. So instead of thinking that, instead of allowing your brain to say, oh, this is proof that I don't know what I'm doing when a parent questions you and says, um, you know, what are you doing teaching this subject because you're not good enough at it? Or what are you doing teaching a child or you're not doing it good enough for my child or whatever it is that they're, they're you're afraid they're going to say is to know that that is not like absolute truth. It's that your mind is looking for ways to support what you already believe about yourself. So instead, it's about letting go of that belief that you already have, not about the parent, the interaction with the parent. Because once you already know that you're a great teacher, that you're doing a good job and that you are supporting that child and you've got systems, intentional teaching, you got systems that are supporting you and you know you're doing a good job, a parent can come to you and tell tell you and get up and get in your face and be angry with you. But it's not going to matter because you know that you're doing a good job and you can support the child and find a solution. You're not going to take it personally. So what I would say is if you have that fear is to stand in your power, to bring that back and to know what you're doing is right and find proof to support the the opposite that you actually are doing a good job. This is a really hard concept to explain in a podcast, but I wanted to at least dive into it today. If this is something that's really upsetting you or bothering you, I mean, first off, of course, you can talk to a therapist. I'm not going to say that I'm going to, you know, help you through depression or something like that. But if you're thinking about specific um challenges or beliefs that are related to your teaching, it might be an idea for you to think about intentional teaching because this is one of the things we dive into is like, what are some of the beliefs that are holding you back from teaching the way that you want to? And if you've got a fear about a parent because ultimately you don't think you're a good enough teacher, that's going to hold you back. So that's the first thing is to think about, are you afraid of judgment? And if that's true, it's about showing yourself that you actually are doing a great job as a teacher and having more confidence and 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 doing that work for yourself. So that's the first. The second might be around your reputation or your job or if a parent like goes above your head, all of those kind of more practical things. So if that's true, this honestly is much simpler work is I would recommend always having another staff member with you. So if you think back to my story at the beginning with that parent, I knew that my mindfulness was good for my kids. Not everyone's going to want to do mindfulness, but I know there are studies to back me up on this. So I'm very confident in that choice of using mindfulness in my study, in my classroom. I have a pedagogical reason behind it. And I mean, if someone needed to like question me on that, I can pull up a study. So I felt fine. It wasn't about my own personal um, self-worth, we'll say. It was really truly that that she was angry with me and I didn't want her, it, her to be her word against mine. So I had another staff member, this time it was a counselor, that was in there supporting me so that we, like, that I had that um, support of the school. So you can have that. Maybe you need to get involved with the admin. Um, maybe you need to get involved with the union. You need to document. So there is about getting support so that it's not just you with that parent. 
we all need to support one another in the in the school system so that teachers are not isolated when dealing with really challenging situations with parents or other you know colleagues admit and that sort of thing so get support um and if you can't like reach out to your union reach out to somebody that you know locally that can help you out with that so that you're not alone in those um kinds of conversations and if you can't get the support like you don't have to meet with that parent so um option a is if you're worried that they're right it's about finding proof that you actually are doing a good job and looking around and noticing the things that you are doing well it's about your own inner work before you talk to um talk to parents so that you can feel strong and convicted in what you're doing and know that their their experience that they're bringing to you is often a projection or based on their own experience that they had as a kid in the school system. So they're bringing all of that kind of all of those stories with them. It's not necessarily even about you. So when it's about teasing apart this idea that what they're saying is truth and it's an it's more of an interpretation. So we're going to dive more into this into future episodes, but again, if this is something that you want help with, DM me because this is one of the things that we talk about in intentional teaching. And then option B is if you're worried about your reputation or your job or that a parent is going to get really um, go above your head or something like that, or they're causing you a lot of stress because they're not being fair, get the support from your school, from your union, um, so that you are not alone in dealing with that challenge. So I hope you found this episode helpful. If you did, or if it struck you in some way, I would love, love, love to hear from you. It is always wonderful to hear from people who are listening to the podcast, because then I can know um, that this conversation was helpful for you and I can create more content around it. The other thing is if you liked this episode, yes, DM me, but also I would so appreciate if you shared it with a friend or if you rated and reviewed us on iTunes or Spotify so that other teachers can um, discover the podcast as well, because I want, I'm on a mission to help teachers feel less stressed out, avoid stress leave and really enjoy their work. And that is one way that I'm doing it through the podcasts. And I would love it if you can support me. Um, in that mission. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you on the next episode.